This Washington Post Live podcast is sponsored by The Boeing Company. We don't just think about the future. We engineer it, solve its problems, and build it every day. You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. On October 23rd, the Washington Post hosted its Transformers Space event featuring Vice President Mike Pence. This wide-ranging program covered the factors shaping American leadership in space, the new space race, and the future of space exploration that could lead to a future beyond Earth. In this segment, the Washington Post's Robert Costa sits down with Vice President Mike Pence to outline the administration's plans to create a new branch of the U.S. military that will defend American interests in space. Let's listen. Mr. Vice President, it's a pleasure to have you here at the Washington Post for our Space Summit. We really appreciate you taking the time Thank off you, the Bob. campaign trail just a few weeks before the midterm <laughs> elections to talk about space, to talk about what's next with Space Force. Uh, but before we get into that, I have so many questions on Space Force. Uh, I know everyone's so interested in that. I, I wanted to get your uh, talk just for a couple minutes about Jamal Khashoggi, our colleague here at the Washington Post. Right. Well, thank you, Bob. Thank you for uh, hosting this forum on a, a topic of great importance uh, to the life of uh, the nation and to American leadership. But uh, uh, thank you also for giving me the opportunity uh, to address the tragic murder of your colleague, Jamal Khashoggi. Uh, the brutal murder of Jamal Khashoggi at the Saudi consulate in Turkey was a tragedy for his family, for his loved ones, and for your colleagues here at the Washington Post. It was also an assault on a free and independent press. And our administration is determined to use all means at our disposal to get to the bottom of it. President Trump has already expressed his concern that there have been lies, there's been deception. He dispatched the Secretary of State to the region early on, and uh, the director of the CIA is there in Turkey now reviewing uh, the evidence. And we're going to follow the facts. Uh, we're going to uh, demand that those responsible are held accountable. And um, once we have all the facts, President Trump will, will make the decision uh, based upon the values of the American people uh, and our vital national interests. Uh, allow me to express my personal sympathies uh, to his fiance, to his loved ones, his family, and to all the colleagues here at the Washington Post who admired uh, and cherished the life and example of Jamal Khashoggi. What's your response, Mr. Vice President, to President Erdogan's report this morning? Well, the, the word from President Erdogan this morning that this, this brutal murder um, was premeditated pre-planned days in advance, um, flies in the face of earlier assertions that have been made by the Saudi regime. And again, it underscores 
the determination of our administration to find out what happened here. Um, the world is watching. Uh, the American people want answers uh, and will demand that those answers are forthcoming. Uh, we'll also, we'll also uh, as we go forward, as we demand that those who are responsible are held accountable for this barbaric act, uh, we will also do so in, in the light and in the context of America's vital natural interests in the region. Our relationship with Saudi Arabia goes back some 60 years since shortly after World War II. It represents an enormously important uh, alliance in the region, and particularly under President Trump's leadership, we've forged renewed ties uh, with uh, Saudi Arabia and with other countries across the Middle East to confront the leading state sponsor of terrorism uh, in Iran. And uh, so we'll, we'll look for ways to hold those accountable that are accountable. Um, we'll make sure that the world has the facts, that the American people have the facts about what happened here. And, um, but we'll also do so in the context of our vital national interests and the important and, and more than half century long relationship between the United States and Saudi Arabia, which is truly, truly essential to our nation's security and prosperity. Speaking of holding those accountable, have you seen any intelligence linking Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman to this crime? Well, I don't want to speak about any intelligence that uh, I've seen, Bob, as appropriate. I know that uh, when the CIA director returns, uh, she'll be uh, briefing the president, myself, and our entire team on what the Turks uh, have assembled. Uh, but, um, but look, I, 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 want, I want to assure all of your colleagues here, I want to assure the American people we're going to get to the bottom of it. Um, this brutal murder um, of a journalist, of an innocent man, of a dissident, will not go without an American response. And I expect without an international response. But we want to find out what happened. And President Trump has made it very clear uh, that the, uh, the full resources of our intelligence community, uh, working with uh, intelligence uh, officials in Turkey, in our interactions with Saudi Arabia, and also with other countries around the world is going to follow the facts, and then decisions will be made. Final question on this, then we'll turn to Space Force. Is it, does that mean you're open to sanctions on the Saudi royal family? Well, whether or not there are sanctions imposed, whether there's other actions taken, will be a decision for the President of the United States. And what President Trump has made it clear, Bob, is that we want to know what happened. We're going to follow the facts. We're going to get all of the evidence, and then the president will make a decision uh, that, uh, that reflects the values and the interests of the American people. We'll, we'll do what's best for the American people. We'll also make sure that the world knows the truth of what happened. And, uh, uh, and that's a promise to the family of Jamal Khashoggi, uh, a promise to all of those who worked with him here at the Washington Post, all who cherish his example around the world. Turning to Space Force, big question is what will Space Force do? Well, first let me, let me uh, commend the Washington Post for bringing attention to this issue. Um, along the campaign trail in 2016, uh, shortly after I was added to the ticket, the President and I had a conversation about his interest in really reviving American leadership in space, and particularly when it came to human space exploration. He told me then that he wanted to 
relaunch what's known as the National Space Council, which had lain dormant for some 25 years. Um, and he asked if I'd be interested in chairing it, as previous vice presidents had done in American history. To be honest with you, Bob, I jumped at the chance. Uh, when I was elected to the Congress, when we first met, um, the one committee that I requested to be a part of was the NASA subcommittee of the Science Committee, because I have been a, a space enthusiast all my life, and it turns out the President of the United States shares that same passion. And we both shared a concern that uh, while America continues to be dominant in space, in terms of technology, in terms of our accomplishments, that we were losing momentum in recent years, that America had um, essentially been consigned to low Earth orbit. We'd actually offlined our own platforms when we, we grounded the shuttle program. And many Americans didn't even realize at the time that, that uh, we've had to pay uh, the Russians uh, to fly American astronauts into space now uh, for a number of years, uh, some $80 million a seat uh, on Russian spacecraft. The president saw all of that as intolerable, and uh, not, just, not just the fact that we'd become focused on low Earth orbit, but that we'd really lost a vision for leading mankind into the outer reaches of space. In his inaugural address, he spoke about that. He spoke about American leadership in the vast expanse of space, and shortly after the advent of the administration, we relaunched the National Space Council. And while its uh, initial work uh, focused on reviving NASA, uh, bringing about the kind of changes through a series of, of presidential policy directives that have cleared away regulatory barriers uh, uh, to space launch by private industry and, and also uh, made a recommitment to NASA's civilian mission. Along the way, it became very clear to us that, um, that, uh, that it's absolutely essential that America remain as, as dominant in space from a national security perspective as we are on the Earth, and that's where the president conceived of the idea of a space force uh, and tasked the, the National Space Council to begin to examine uh, how that might best be formatted. It would be in June of this year at the last meeting of the National Space Council that the president directed the Pentagon to formulate a plan. Uh, they have done so, submitted that plan in August on the very day after I addressed the Pentagon uh, today, later at the War College, will be laying out a series of recommended policy directives uh, for the president to put into effect uh, what will ultimately result in the launch of a sixth branch of our armed forces, uh, the United States Space Force. And the purpose of the Space Force will be uh, to, uh, to secure our vital national interests in space. Does that mean adding weapons to space? Well, what it, what it means, Bob, is that... Um, we're going to protect American interests in space. I mean, to understand, to understand uh, American defense today is to understand the, the uh, interrelationship between our satellite technology uh, and our aircraft, our, our ships at sea, uh, submarines under the sea, our warfighters on the ground regularly rely on information that is obtained, images that are captured by satellite technology. And so the first order of business is ensuring that the infrastructure of our satellite technology uh, is protected. And uh, the reality is the more we look at our, uh, at, at our competitors in space, chiefly among them are China and Russia, uh, we see the deployment of technologies by both of those countries uh, 
um, anti-satellite technologies. Uh, China, not long ago, actually uh, tested a missile that, that took out one of their own satellites. Uh, we're seeing the deployment of additional new anti-satellite technology that's placed into orbit, literally satellites that are able to move in proximity to existing satellites. All of this informs the fact that we have to have the capacity to protect our existing infrastructure in space. But also what the president's vision is, is that we, that we stand up uh, a space force that very much similar to the way that the Air Force was launched after World War II will evolve into ensuring that America remains as dominant uh, in outer space militarily uh, as we are uh, here on Earth. And uh, that'll, be, that'll be the project of the Space Force going forward. Um, and there are a number of steps that, we, that will be launched in the very short term, but that will ultimately lead to the launch of a, a Department of the United States Space Force uh, in the next National Defense Authorization Act. What about the 1967 Outer Space Treaty, which governs international space law? It bans weapons of mass destruction in space. President Trump, as we know, likes to cut his own deals. Is this administration thinking about renegotiating that treaty? Well, well, first and foremost, that, that treaty, which I think was signed in 1967, um, uh, does ban weapons of mass destruction in outer space, but it doesn't ban military activity. It actually is a, um, uh, it, 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 gives, uh, it gives nations a fair amount of flexibility in operating for their security interests uh, in outer space. And at this time, we don't see any, any need uh, to amend uh, the treaty. But, um, you know, as time goes forward, the, the, the hope that we could continue <laughs> Uh, to um, to see outer space as a as a as a uh, uh, as a a domain where peace will reign, it will require military presence, um, but uh, we'll continue to um, we'll continue to aspire to President Kennedy's vision of uh, a um, uh, a sea of of peace uh, as a, as opposed to a, a terrifying domain of war. On that, do you think that nuclear weapons should be banned from space? Well, they are now. Um, should they always but, be banned from space? Well, look, I, I think that at, what we need to do is make sure that um, we provide for the common defense of the people of the United States of America. And um, that's the president's determination here. Um, I, think it's, I think it's in the interest of, of uh, every nation to continue to ban uh, the use of nuclear weapons in space. Uh, but but what, what we want to do is, is, is continue to advance the principle that peace comes through strength. And we truly do believe the best pathway uh, toward uh, advancing human exploration in space, which the president's already announced we're going back to the moon and then after that to Mars, the way we develop uh, more commercial enterprise in space, and we see the incredible innovation. I, I visited the Mojave Desert, and I, I saw a number of, uh, of companies that are operating even as we speak uh, to be able to carry, uh, carry commercial enterprises, space tourism, What's our deadline for mining. going back to the moon? Um, well, we're working through that right now, and uh, Jim Bridenstine being a part of this program today, I'm sure spoke to that with great specificity, but... Um, you know, I served with a president that, 
wants everything yesterday. And uh, I can assure you that our determination is to, is to see uh, Americans back on the moon uh, in the very near future, but, but shortly thereafter on our way to Mars. And not in an event horizon of, of 10 and 20 and 30 years, which is the way NASA spoke uh, for much of the last two decades, but also on, an event horizon that says, we're gonna get there, we're gonna get there soon, we're gonna get there quickly. And um, you know, once Americans set their mind to something, there's, we've already demonstrated throughout our history, there's, there's nothing we can't accomplish. Do you worry at all about an arms race? You mentioned Russia and China with Space Force. Well, look, let's, let's, uh, let's be very clear. Um, uh, there, there's this whole talk about militarizing space. And what the American people deserve to know is that um, uh, from the time Sputnik was launched into orbit, uh, we've militarized space. Uh, that in, in a very real sense, space is um, a warfighting domain. And uh, whether it's China, Russia, other nations in the world, um, there are security investments being made, not just satellite technology, but also that anti-satellite technology that I talked about. And um, uh, we really do believe that it's absolutely essential that we meet that moment with American strength, that we meet that moment with American leadership, and that we also recognize that in 2015, uh, China essentially stood up its own space force. Russia, in the very same year, uh, assigned a, a part of its uh, aerospace division to a space force. And so what President Trump has initiated here in a very real sense, while America continues to lead in technology and in innovation and in military strength, um, uh, in, in terms of organizational structure, uh, this is what our this is what our competitors are already doing, and uh, the president's determined to make sure that America leads uh, in space as well from who a military standpoint. Who goes to the moon or, or to Mars in the, for the United States moving forward? Is it people from NASA astronauts, or is it people like your son, a naval aviator, who may want to go to space? Well, uh, what I can say is that, um, and uh, thanks for mentioning my son. Um, he, Michael Pence, Lute first lieutenant. Uh, first lieutenant just got his wings as a Marine Naval aviator two weeks ago, and uh, we couldn't be more proud. But thank you. Thank you for that. Look, look, uh, human space exploration is a civilian operation by NASA. That's what we want it to be. Um, obviously, as I said at the Pentagon, Back in August, uh, a great number of our astronauts have also, in their prior lives, worn the uniform of the United States, and we're, we're proud of their service then. Um, but, uh, but human space exploration is at the very center of what President Trump wants to see us accomplish, making sure that we have the security in space to advance human space exploration is, is uh, the, the underpinning of the Space Force, protecting our interest on Earth, protecting, providing for the common defense here for the American people and our interest around the world, but also creating a domain where we can, where we can lead mankind into the outer reaches of space. But that'll be a civilian effort. Uh, it'll be uh, American boots back on the moon. I look forward to seeing that day and, uh, and to seeing Americans land on Mars. Your tone here, Mr. Vice President, is very measured. You're talking about Space Force as a national project. But President Trump is talking a lot about it on the campaign trail. It, it's a talking point at his political rallies. Does that risk 
making space for something and that has a partisan sheen? Well, no, I actually, I actually th uh, think there's, there's broad bipartisan support uh, for a space force. In fact, in the last national defense bill, um, it was, there was language for what would be called the space core that had broad bipartisan support. This is actually an issue, Bob, that Republicans and Democrats have spoken about for some time, but President Trump has essentially seized on it. And as he does with so many other issues, he's been able to communicate that in a way that's captured the imagination of the American people. And, uh, and I can tell you, as I've traveled around the campaign uh, during these midterm elections as well, um, there's a lot of enthusiasm for Space Force. And, uh, and I, I actually don't think it's so much partisan as it's just, I think there's many Americans, you know, my age and older, who, who remember those glory days of the 1960s. I remember huddled around a little black and white television in our basement watching Neil Armstrong step on to the moon, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. I, and the pride that I felt as an American. And when I became a member of Congress, um, I actually attended three different shuttle launches. And it was the most incredible thing I ever witnessed in my life to see so much power contained lifting those brave Americans into space. But I think, I think millions of Americans, whatever their politics, would agree that somewhere along the way we lost our vision and our passion for leadership in space. And the president's call for uh, a renewal of our commitment to human space exploration, a return to the moon, reaching out at Mars, um, the establishment of a space force, I think, I think that taps into that American aspiration that um, we are, in a very real sense, uh, a nation of pioneers. We've always, throughout our history, been pushing the outer envelope. We've been pushing um, into the undiscovered country. You're, you're, the American people are excited to see us do that again. Mr. Vice President, though, you're selling it hard. I but am. does Congress agree with you? I mean, you? Congress has to authorize this. Do right. we expect the Trump administration to making getting an authorization vote on Space Force a priority by the end of 2019? Uh, what uh, the short answer to that is yes. Um, the president's made it very clear in the next National Defense Authorization Act that he wants language that authorizes um, the establishment of the United States Space Force and a department as the sixth branch of the service. But we're taking steps even before that. Um, as we'll uh, announce today when I go over to the War College, um, the National Space Council is making recommendations to the president to to essentially begin with establishing a, a unified space command, much in the way that we established a special forces command. Uh, we, all, we all remember the uh, Iran hostage crisis during the Carter administration and the disaster uh, in the desert that took place. Shortly after that was when the United States made the decision to establish a unified special forces command. So now, special forces in all different branches of the service operate under a unified command so that when special forces are deployed, it's fully coordinated. And what the president's envisioned here is let's begin by bringing everyone under a, a unified command. Let's stand up a space development agency so we can establish the authorities necessary, the chain of command, promote the technologies. I mean, we, we roughly have about 60,000 people in all the different branches of the service in our intelligence community who work in and around space security today. We haven't been neglectful of this. We just haven't, we haven't brought it all together in one place. And that's what, that's what the president purposes to do with the United States uh, Space Force and the department that will 
establish it. But going to the Congress, asking the Congress for that authorizing legislation is something the president has made it clear as a priority. And uh, we'll be working when uh, we reelect these Republican majorities on Capitol Hill. We'll be working with reelected Republican majorities to do just that. One final thing on Space Force, and then I want to talk for a minute about the midterms. When you think about, you, you mentioned your time in the U.S. House. Uh, you were a firebrand conservative back then in the House, challenging leadership. I covered that. But they, they care about spending billions of dollars. And an Air Force memo shows that Space Force may need $3 billion in its first year, $13 billion right. in its first five years. You know, that's a hard sell. One, do you agree with, is that really the numbers we're expecting for Space Force, that Air Force memo from a couple months ago? And two, will House conservatives and other conservatives in Congress really want to sign on to something that's that big a spending project? Well, we think the numbers, I know that uh, the Secretary of the Air Force um, has produced some of those numbers in great, great respect for Secretary Wilson. Um, but I would just ask, my old colleagues in the Congress, what price freedom? What, what is the price tag that you place on the security of the United States of America? And uh, I think the reason why the American people are so enthusiastic about Space Force is because they understand that for us to continue to provide for the common defense, to protect America's interests, to stand for freedom uh, in the world that we have to continue to extend American strength into the outer reaches of space. Now, the good news is an awful lot of what we're going to do is going to be consolidating. As I mentioned, there's roughly 60,000 people today that work in space security in a variety of different agencies. And so this will not be, I, I, it will not in the first instance look like um, other branches of the service that were stood up. It, it, it will be a consolidation, we believe, um, and, and, and from there, uh, future Congresses and future administrations uh, can grow and expand and, and nurture uh, the Department of the Space Force as they see fit. We'll be following the National Space Council closely. Just to finish on the midterms, you're going to yeah. be heading out on the campaign trail soon. I am. Immigration's become a, a major issue. The president keeps talking about this migrant caravan, and he, he references Middle Easterners that are part of this caravan without evidence. Uh, why is that, and where is the evidence, if any? Well, it's inconceivable that uh, there are not um, uh, people of Middle Eastern descent in a crowd of more than 7,000 people advancing toward our border. I mean, the truth is, well, let me, let me, sure. statistics on this. I mean, in, in the last fiscal year, uh, uh, we apprehended more than, uh, more than, uh, uh, more than 10 terrorists or suspected terrorists per day at our southern border uh, from countries that are referred to in the lexicon as other than Mexico. That means from the Middle East region. I mean, the, the, the idea that they would not be in this large throng that was that what the president of Honduras told me was organized by leftist groups in Honduras, financed by Venezuela, uh, and sent north to challenge our sovereignty and, and challenge our border. Um, and now it's, it's grown. We've, the president had me reach out to uh, President Hernandez in Honduras, to President Morales in Guatemala, We've been working very closely with Mexico. We're going to do everything in our power to prevent uh, this caravan uh, from uh, coming north and, and uh, violating our border. But ultimately, 
it is an issue in this election because what, what human traffickers are doing, um, what criminal gang members are doing uh, in this instance, and frankly, in literally every day of the week where they take cash to bring people up the peninsula in the hopes of them either making a claim for asylum or simply, uh, simply crossing our border illegally to be apprehended, is they're taking advantage of not only our poorest border, but loopholes in our laws, uh, our, our catch and release program, our, uh, are all used and exploited by human traffickers who have no regard for human life. You know, when I, when I spoke to uh, the president of Guatemala, he told me how uh, at that point they were already beginning to bust some people back to Honduras, um, elderly, vulnerable children who'd simply been left by the side of the road by the organizers of this caravan. I mean, the truth of the matter is nearly 40, far beyond this caravan, nearly 40 percent of young girls that make their way into our country uh, at the hands of human traffickers are sexually abused. We determine they've been sexually abused on their way north. This, this is a, um, uh, it is a, it is unconscionable for us to continue to allow this to occur. And we, and but the way we can end it, as the president's made clear, is to have a Congress that is willing to not only fund a wall, uh, secure our border, but to close the loopholes that human traffickers and violent gang members use to entice people to make the, the long and dangerous journey up the peninsula. Um, we, we really do believe that we've got a crisis at our southern border, but the only way we're gonna, we're gonna deal with that crisis in the long term is by bringing about changes in the law, and the American people have a very clear choice to make. I mean, the Democratic Party today supports catch and release. They have opposed the wall. They have opposed efforts uh, for additional internal enforcement and the kind of reforms that, frankly, we've been talking about for more than a decade. The Republican Party is committed to building a wall, committed to closing the loopholes, ending catch and release, reforming a broken immigration system. And it's very much, uh, very much an issue on the minds of people everywhere I go across the country. Vice President Pence, we've gone way over time. Appreciate you coming to the Washington Post today to discuss Space Force and other issues. Thank you so much. Thank you, Bob. Great Appreciate to be with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.